Hi, I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. Is where we encounter his goodness and his presence in fresh and new ways. And I'm praying that God continues to do fresh things this morning. Anybody can be in agreement with that, that God does something fresh in our hearts, in our community this morning. Um, man, we're, uh, this is my third weekend in a row of, of, of conference. So as Renee mentioned, we just drove back yesterday afternoon from Palestine, Texas, camp meeting with Jeff, and God was showing up in amazing ways and got back at 4 o'clock. Yesterday afternoon was that service here, a pre-service re revival at five o'clock, and and uh, this is my third week in a row. I was in uh, I was in Alabama and Birmingham, and then uh, uh, last weekend was in um, San Marcos with the partner with Sozo Church for a conference, and then uh, this week in Palestine. So I'm just in the overflow of God. So <laughs> we just pray it keeps overflowing. And pray I don't uh, collapse on stage. So those two things happen, and, and we'll have a good morning. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. How many people believe that we are living in a special hour in history? Where God is awaking his bride uh, to her purpose, I believe, corporately like, like never before. And uh, God has always used uh, uh, amazing uh, men and women examples of what he wants to do in the body. Um, and, you know, he's raised up, up gener generals throughout history that are carrying the mantle and are carrying a, uh, a breakthrough anointing that says this is available. But I believe that right now, like never before, the whole body is grabbing a hold of this is available, which is actually the way that God wants it to be, Amen. That it's not just supposed to be about the man of God or the woman of God, but it's about the people of God raising up to take hold of, of his purposes, his plans, and our destiny in Jesus' name. I think it was mentioned already, we had fun last night. We, uh, people were getting free. Talking about getting free. People were getting free in worship, and we had a, a unique time where... Um, uh, prophetically, we felt God calls us to, to have trust falls off the stage in worship. <clears throat> yes, we're wild, <clears throat> but so is Jesus. <clears throat> he, came to, he came to break the religious mold. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> and, uh, but what I, what I uh, listen, we didn't come in with that plan to service last night at all. Um, during worship, it just started to stir this promises about people really getting free and people falling out of fear, falling out of trauma, falling out of addiction, falling out of bondage, and falling into the Father's arms. And man, people were getting so free. As people were falling out, like, like uh, screams of deliverance were coming out, people were hitting the arms of the, of the catchers and shaking God was doing radical things, but I love, it started because I turned to, to Eddie during worship, and I was like, jokingly, I was like, man, we, this is something years ago God had led us to do a couple of times, but 
I said jokingly to Eddie, I said, man, we haven't, we haven't done any uh, stage diving in a while. <laughs> and I looked up at the prophetic art, and Maddie McKinley was doing art, and on her painting, it said in big block letters, dive in. <laughs> All right, I'm like, okay, God, I'm starting to listen. <clears throat> people, getting, people getting free. How many people know who the sun sets free are? Free indeed. But I specifically want to talk this morning about people getting free, but then, but then God's assignment on that freedom. And how many people know that God has called us into the highways and the byways? He's called us into the mountains of society. He's called us not, not just to the pulpit, but he's called us into the marketplace, into business, into medicine, into education, into government, because he wants his kingdom to rule and reign in all spheres of society. I'm in the right room, am I not, right? <laughs> that his kingdom is coming to reign, that this earth will begin to look like his kingdom and all of the people would praise his name. And I believe that God is releasing modern day Daniels. And my message this morning is, is on releasing the modern day Daniels. And I really feel like I'm speaking to people in the room right now. There's people who are called to, to carry the kingdom into all the spheres of society and to shake the mountains, <laughs> that all of his creation would praise his name. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we, we have uh, been in ministry for a long time, traveled the world, I've got to meet some amazing people, and there, there are incredible examples of modern-day Daniels out in the world, and I could take the entire time and just tell testimonies of people operating in these realms, but just a, just a few to whet our appetite. I know um, I know a lady, um, a young lady who works for for Facebook, and she is on fire, Holy Spirit filled, prophetic, and she is rocking the culture, and not just it within her company, but other but other companies in the tech sphere. Uh, where she lives and operates, <clears throat> and to the she's gained so much favor in the organization that um, they allow her under the under the banner of spiritual growth and development. She has revival meetings in Facebook, and hundreds of techies. <laughs> Hundreds are show, showing up to these meetings and praying and fasting and seeking God. And listen, we're not talking little impact. We're talking like she has people like Heidi Baker come through. Listen, like, 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 and just blow up all of these geniuses, tech people who are influencing society, and they get hit with the power of God and the prophetic and revival, and they're weeping and crying, and God, God is moving, and this has been going on for years. People are going to say, now listen, that is influencing the influential. That is influencing the influential. Listen, that, that there is a buzzword in society right now about uh, of influencer. That's a buzzword. 
Everybody wants to be an influencer on social media, but listen, the one who is called to influence is our king. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Let's not influence the world with catchphrases and funny memes and what I had for dinner last night. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. What happens when we start bringing the influence of the kingdom and influencing the influential with the grace of the kingdom? That's the God I serve. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we have a friend who, who comes off, often, Charlie Owen. Charlie has a school of ministry. He has a Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Huntsville Maximum Security Prison. <laughs> How many people know that's taking light to the darkest places? That he, and he's been doing this for years. And there are, there are people who were hardened criminals and murderers who encounter God and the Holy Spirit in prison and now come daily to worship Jesus with tears in their eyes, hugging each other. Uh, separate gang members who used to want to kill each other now hug each other and weep together in the presence. And listen, they're... And it's not just confined to the chapel. They're taking the kingdom into the yard. I mean, they're, look at just like school of ministry students, right, Bethel? They're like, you got a broken leg. They pray and they're seeing broken limbs heal and they're seeing tumors dissolve and they're seeing deaf ears open and they're leading people to Jesus in the yard, in the cafeteria. They're bringing the kingdom. <laughs> Woo! How many people know that's a Daniel right there? Thank you, Jesus. In, in John 20, Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, as I was sent into the world, so I send you. Now, how many people know that Jesus, that Jesus intentionally stepped into the darkness to bring his light? <laughs> that Jesus didn't come for those who are well, he came for the sick. Jesus came for the broken. Jesus stepped in at a time in history where mankind was far from God. He brought his light intentionally into darkness. And he said, as I was sent, so I send you. So that doesn't always mean that we just run to the nearest church and huddle and sing and like, let's gather our light and not let anyone else know we have light. We're not supposed to put a bushel over our light. Amen. That we, as Jesus, went into the world. That we are set to go and bring transformation into the nations, into the world, into business, into education, into government. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, it, was, it was announced earlier uh, Dr. Pete Carter is coming, and we're, we're gathering some medical professionals to, to uh, talk about this heaven and health care that has swept through the UK and is, it is launching in other, uh, other areas of the world, and, and uh, we want to see that happen here in Austin, and 
But I've been, I've been partnering with uh, Dr. Carter for many years, 15 years. And, uh, and we, he is, we are seeing God do incredible things in the healthcare industry in the UK and beyond. And Dr. Dr. Carter, he pastors a church. He's also a physician. They have, a, they have what they call a healing center, which is basically uh, a healing rooms. Dr. Carter came and spent three months with us in Reading to learn about the healing rooms and the breakthroughs that we're having and the miracles. And he, he learned about that, and he took it back. He said, I want to go back to England, and I want to start one. And so he started a, a healing center, but he's a physician. The director of his healing center is a physician. The associate director is a nurse. And then they, they you know, they, birds of a feather flock together. So they have all these doctors and nurses around them. They're not, they're not all doctors and nurses, but they have documented the miraculous, the way the medical profession would document healing cases. And they've done this, they've been faithful for this over the years, and they can tell you, people come through and they get follow-up at stages, and they, uh, and they, like, they could tell you how many uh, fewer doctor visits they have, how much less pain they have, how much less medicine they have, and all of the proper uh, ling lingo and charting and language. Listen, they speak the language of the industry. And that, and that has created influence. So fast forward a number of years to the point where the National Health Service is, is referring people to the healing center. The government is giving, telling people, listen, this is an option for you. <laughs> you, don't want medicine, you don't want to do traditional medicine, go here. Or the point when doctors like, we can't do anything else for you, here's another option here. How many people know that's a Daniel? And just one testimony out of hundreds and hundreds. We've been gathering professionals. I go every year, and we've been gathering medical professionals for years, and, and just bringing the kingdom, releasing the presence of God, the supernatural, and teaching them practical tools about how to, to bring this into their, into their spheres. And I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of testimonies like this. But this one particular one, a nurse... Who, uh, who, who was learning about the presence of God, hearing his voice, being led by his spirit. And she's so lit on fire now with this. And she's at work one day, and she's taking care of a patient, a cancer patient that had opened sores um, on, his, on his body. And she went to put uh, ointment on it, that's just daily routine, cleansing it. And, and she went to put ointment on the, the wound, and she heard the voice of the Lord say, "Not, don't use that ointment. Use this other ointment." And they were basically identical ointments, different brands, you know, but like the same thing essentially. But she went okay, and so she listened to the voice of God, and it, and as she wiped this ointment on the wound, the wound disappeared under her hand. Now, how many people know the miracle wasn't in the ointment, it was in the obedience? Yeah, to listen and obey. <clears throat> and it's, and there, is, um, there are thousands of, of testimonies like that all, all over uh, the nations. And that's the Daniel anointing. And God is raising up modern-day Daniels. I think, whew, 
I feel an anointing in the room for that. Some people just need to start pulling on that right now. <clears throat> just say, I receive that for myself. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to be in the book of Daniel, surprisingly. <clears throat> we're going to be in the book of Daniel this morning. So if you got your Bible open to the book of Daniel... Now, Daniel was, was a captive out of Israel. He was brought captive out of Israel as a young man, and, and he served uh, the, the portion of Daniel, uh, the first six chapters is the story of Daniel serving under three separate kings who were, who were, um, who were evil in heart. They didn't serve the Lord um, but Daniel had great influence with these kings. And I believe that Daniel had great influence because of these four particular areas in Daniel's life that I want to hit this morning. And Daniel had great influence, and we're going to break, break these down more. He had great influence because he had an assignment. Number one, he had an assignment. And many, many people are, you're in spheres of influence right now, but you don't yet have an assignment. You're, you're maybe toiling in, you don't even, maybe you don't even realize that you're in spheres of influence. You're working a tech job and you're, and maybe it's not something that you love and you're like, what am I doing here? When am I going to step into my destiny? When am I going to reach my calling? I'm just running around in circles doing this, this dead end job that I'm not loving, not realizing that you're sitting in your seat of influence. And like the young lady at Facebook, that God is opening doors for you that you haven't yet asked, thought, or imagined. <laughs> But we have to be able to dream, and we have to be able to ask God, God, what are you, what are you doing? What are you dreaming about? What are you calling me to? When you have an assignment, everything changes. Yeah. Number two, Daniel had an excellent spirit, and we're going to talk. We're going to talk more about that. But Daniel had Daniel had an excellent spirit, and it mentions that a couple of times throughout the book of Daniel. And, it, and because of this excellent spirit, he was repeatedly put over uh, other, he was put over uh, the uh, magicians and fortune tellers. He was also put over other governors um, in the kingdom to rule and reign multiple times over. Speaking of an excellent spirit. <clears throat> and number three, Daniel had an intimate prayer and worship life. An intimate prayer and worship life. And number four, Daniel did not make an enemy out of those he was called to influence. <laughs> Do you know one of the poisons of social media is it gives you a permission to have an enemy everywhere you look. And it gives you permission to have an enemy with no consequence. But to have influence, we can't make an enemy out of those that we're called to influence. Even those who aren't yet walking in righteousness, holiness, or the ways of the Lord. 
But how many people know that they're still creating in God's image and he's wooing them into relationship and into his fullness and part of that wooing is meant to be you and me. Thank you, Jesus. Again, Daniel had an assignment. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Daniel had an intimate prayer and worship life. And Daniel did not make an enemy out of those he was called to influence. In Daniel chapter 1, then the king, this is in the king, uh, the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king um, ordered his uh, servant to bring young men from Israel. And in verse 3, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve the king's palace, whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And listen, in verse 3, some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, these who were who was brought to Babylon to be trained for three years and serve the king. Now, listen, Daniel was, was, he was of nobility in Israel. Listen, he was a descendant of the king. He was in the lineage. He was of nobility, and he was brought. But listen, if you're... If your household was overtaken by an enemy king, but you have a heart of nobility in you, even as you go into captivity, I believe that Daniel was carrying a heart of redemption. You see, I believe that he set his heart apart and said, God, whatever I can do to serve you, to see your kingdom restored and to rule and reign, I will do. I believe that Daniel went in with an assignment. Come on. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Later in the Bible, again, it refers to Daniel having uh, an excellent spirit. But it shows up here in verse 8. And it says in verse 7 that he gave Daniel and his three friends, three companions, uh, different names. And in verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. That he was, from the beginning, Daniel was set in his heart to honor the king and to be set apart. That he he doesn't, to be set apart from the king's delicacies, the king's wine, from the abundance. Listen, you're brought into captivity. Daniel is a slave, and he's being offered the finest choice food from the king and the finest wine. How many people, most people in that situation would say, yes, please. But Daniel is set apart in his heart. And in Proverbs 3 Sorry, Proverbs 23, as a reminder, it says this. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat. If you are a man, a man given to appetite, I can't talk this morning. If you're a man given to appetite, do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. And right from the beginning, Daniel modeled his excellent spirit. He said, I am not going to be given to the trap of gluttony. I'm not going to be given to the trap of these delicacies. I'm going to keep myself set apart. Yeah. 
And he displays his excellent spirit right from the start. And Daniel, he gains favor, this, this heart to serve God, and God is with Daniel and his companions. And Daniel, as he serves the Lord, it says that God gives Daniel wisdom and understanding. In verse 20, in all, in, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined that he found them 10 times better. This is in re- regards to them not eating the delicacies, but vegetables better than all the musicians and astrologers who were in all his realms. And then it goes on, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and in the dream he has this image, this large image, and the head of the image is gold, and the chest and arms are silver, and then, and then bronze, and then the feet are iron and clay. And then it says something unique. In, in Nebuchadnezzar, the wicked king's dream, he says he sees a stone cut out without hands. Who is the rock throughout scripture? Jesus. And he sees a stone cut out without hands, and then the stone crushes the the iron and clay feet. And Nebuchadnezzar is obviously greatly disturbed by this, and he calls all the musicians and and soothsayers together, and and he says, who can tell me this dream? He actually, he demands that they tell him the dream. If they don't, he threatens to put them to death. (laughs) And if they do, he promises to make them a ruler in his kingdom. And of course, none of them can can interpret the dream except for Daniel. And then Daniel, when he finds out this decree from the Lord in in, um, chapter 2, verse 18, Starting verse 17, then Daniel went to his house and made the decisions known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, and they might seek, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret. And so again, Daniel, it says, it talks about later that we'll get to you, that Daniel would, would set himself apart. He would pray before the Lord three times a day, as was his custom, but he would seek God in intimacy for wisdom and understanding. And then, and then God gives Daniel the understanding and the interpretation of this dream. And as, as a result of this interpretation of the dream, no one else can interpret it. Daniel does. The king's heart is changed. And this is the response to the king after Daniel interprets the dream. <clears throat> Let me read the end of Daniel's interpretation. Chapter 2, verse 44. And in these, and in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break into pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch I inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke into pieces from iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Now listen, the evil, 
listen, Daniel is taken into captivity by a kingdom that doesn't, that doesn't serve God, a kingdom that has idols and practices wickedness, that, that took him, his companions, captive, defeated his kingdom. He is in captivity, but Daniel brings this dream to this wicked king and watch the change of heart. Verse 46 of chapter 2, then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face prostrate before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, truly your God is the God of gods. Listen, an evil king, ruler of an entire kingdom, an entire domain, and listen to the king's decree out of his own mouth. Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets that you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him, listen, many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. How many people think that's influence? That he just is in a, in a wicked ruling kingdom Think about the nations of this world and the rulers of those nations and that you have a prophetic interpretation of a dream from one of these rulers so that they fall down to the ground and they start proclaiming the rule and dominion and royalty of the king of kings. And set up decrees in order. And then the king promoted Daniel, verse 48 again, and gave him many great gifts. Remember, he started by denying the gifts, setting himself apart. But the result was that great influence and great wealth was the result. He gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men. Some would say wise men of Babylon. Now, last weekend I was with... uh, Bill Vanderbush, and he actually was sharing out of uh, a part of this, and, I, and he was talking about the influence of Daniel. It's amazing how God will put something in multiple people's hearts at the same time when he wants the message to get into the body. He was talking about the influence of Daniel, but listen, he was put over all of the wise men. And that these are soothsayers, these are magicians, these are people who are conjuring evil spirits, and Daniel's put over them, and Daniel brings his dominion, his reign, his revelation over them. But do you know what's wild? According, according to Bill, that in history you can find accounts, mentions of the disciples of Daniel throughout the generations. Whew. Someone say influence. Through the generations, like this wasn't like Daniel had a good window, you know, he had a good 10-year ride. And No, listen, he set up a rule and reign. These people who were worshiping demons, now he's teaching them about the kingdom of God and to hear God's voice and how to access in worship and intimacy and how to bring the kingdom. And they embody this and they pass this on from generation to generation. Now, this is, this is Bill Vanderbush's message. But 
Fast forward all these generations later, and here comes the birth of Jesus. He's in Bethlehem, and who comes from the east? But three wise men who had been looking for the birth of the Messiah. Who not only had been looking for the birth of Messiah, but they came prepared with gifts of which some, some say today's value would be about $4 million. They, had been, they potentially had been storing up gifts for generations to come lay at the feet of the king because they caught an inheritance from Daniel generations before. Woo! Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. That's, that's what you call influence. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Nebuchadnezzar has another dream about a large tree growing up, reaching to heaven, and, and all, the, all the people are, are, are being provided under the tree, but then he sees the tree is cut down, and of course he is troubled again by this dream. <clears throat> and in verse uh, chapter 4, now, Daniel, in verse 19, Daniel, of course, is again called back to interpret this second dream. And Daniel's response to King Nebuchadnezzar in, the, <clears throat> in verse 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, Belteshazzar is Daniel, said, my Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. What's the point of this? The point of this is Daniel, even though he's been promoted, even though he has influence, he's still a captive in a, in a wicked kingdom. He's serving a ruler who, again, is not, displaying or demonstrating the attributes of the nature of the king is not worshiping the king of kings, but Daniel has a heart to serve this king because he knows he's to bring influence. And you can't bring influence to your enemy. <laughs> Listen, you, you cut off your own ability to bring true influence when you make someone your enemy. Now listen, we do have an enemy, but we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air, right? We have an enemy, but it's not those who are created in God's image. And not everyone created in God's image yet knows him. Not everyone is portraying his attributes and his nature, <clears throat> but they're not our enemy. They need the light that Jesus has brought to the world. And we cut off our ability to bring influence when we make them our enemy. Daniel didn't make an enemy out of those he was caused to influence. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Can I stop and tell a quick side note? Daniel, who has an excellent spirit, I was, uh, I've traveled 
a lot of different countries, and I was in, uh, I've been to Singapore a couple of times, and I was amazed being in Singapore the first time, and Singapore has, has wealth and influ- uh, uh, wealth like few other places that I've, that I've witnessed. I haven't been to Dubai. Uh, that's, that's pretty wild for what I hear, but Singapore is amazing, and in any big city you go to, it has that section downtown, of the, the really wealthy section where, you know, the, the, the Pierre Cardins and the, the, the Louis Vuittons and the Cartiers and, and all these shops are like kind of clustered together, and this is, this is the high-end shopping district, and, and, uh, and I went to Singapore and being, you know, driven around, first day there, what, to the hotel or whatever, and, and I passed that section, you know, with the Louis Vuittons and the Cartiers and the, and the on and on. I'm like, whoa, there's that, there's that section of town. Like we're, we're in, the, we're in the, the heart, right, of the, <clears throat> the hobnob. And, and then we go four more blocks, and there's that section again. There's Louis Vuitton and Cartier, Pierre Cardin, and on and on, and Tiffany's, and I'm like, whoa, they have two of those. And we go four more blocks, and there it is again. And then another four. I'm like, this is everywhere. It doesn't stop here. Like, it, isn't, it doesn't have a section. The whole, the whole city is like, it's just over and over and over and over again. And I was very intrigued by this. And, and then I found out that Singapore is only 80 years old as a country. And I started to ask lots of questions. And and uh, there, are, there are things that, are, <clears throat> that you know, I wouldn't agree with about their governance, but this, this part is very unique. And I found that Singapore, that the ruling family of Singapore, when Singapore was birthed of the country, the patriarch gathered all the family together. We're speaking of an excellent spirit. He gathered all the family together and basically said, essentially, you are our royalty, but you're not going to get a free ride. You have, you have to work to be a contributor to society, and you're not going to get a free ride. And if you break the rules, you're going to pay the same punishment as anyone else who breaks the rules. And he said, we're going to set up a, a system of, of pay, um, uh, reimbursement for government officials, high-level leaders that make a lot of money, Right, the, the president of Singapore makes like five times what the president of the U.S. makes. But the punishment, if the, if, if the president or any government official gets caught taking bribes or cheating, embezzlement, there's no white collar. They pay the full penalty. And what, what was infused was a spirit of, of integrity. Now, how you get there, right, you can, we can question how you are. But a spirit of integrity, people not taking bribes, people living off the fruit of the land, right, as they're supposed to, and not taking bribes, and not funneling money where it's not supposed to go. And because of that spirit of integrity, or excellent spirit, that all of the wealth from the surrounding nations that didn't have that, all the investment, all the high money companies started putting, investing their money through Singapore because it was safe and it went where it was supposed to go and the return on their investment increased and it didn't have all these leaky valves and Singapore exploded because of an excellent spirit. 
Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Father. Come on, God, give us an excellent spirit so we can influence the influential. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. After Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Daniel brings the interpretation of the dream and Nebuchadnezzar is given a chance to repent and Daniel basically speaks to him and says, all this wealth that you've amassed, you need to, you need to use it for good and he tries to shift his heart uh, in, a, in a more benevolent way and Nebuchadnezzar doesn't repent and he's sent into a season of, of being mad and his nails grow long and his hair grows long and he's, he's outside living like the animals under the dew. But Nebuchadnezzar recovers from this, from this time and in chapter 4, verse 34, and at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed, listen, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? Thank you, Jesus. At verse 36, at the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice and those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. How many people think that's a change of heart? Now here's, I just want to pause here and I want to say, again, this is, this is my interpretation, my understanding. I believe that in part that Nebuchadnezzar had these dreams because Daniel was present. What does that mean? That means that Daniel was carrying the influence of the kingdom, living in excellence and wisdom, but Daniel brought that anointing into the king's court, into his realm, even as, even as a slave, even as a servant, but Daniel was overshadowed by the king of kings. And I believe that God was able to give Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar these dreams because he had one who was available to interpret. Would he have had the dreams if Daniel wasn't there? After Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, his son, uh, rises up as king and he forgets the repentant ways of his father and he's living in in, in, in pride and arrogance, and the finger of God uh, comes and writes on the wall. And again, there's no one available to interpret. And in verse uh, chapter 5, verse 11, 
his, his Belshazzar's um, wife says this, there is a man in your kingdom in whom in the spirit, whom, in whom is the spirit of the holy God. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And so they bring uh, Daniel again, and in verse 12, inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. <clears throat> and again, Daniel, Daniel does, and he gives the accurate interpretation. And as a result, Daniel is promoted to number three in all of the kingdom. Who, Daniel, who was brought in as a slave. But he came in with a noble heart and he had an assignment. And he continued on with an excellent spirit. And he didn't make enemies of those he was called to influence. And when he was brought to the king's table, he put a knife to his throat to deny the delicacies and to stay set apart and pure before God. Now Daniel is number three in all of the kingdom. And in, and in verse six, uh, sorry, chapter six, verse three, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and set traps, that's, that's uh, lower form of governors, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. <clears throat> Belshazzar, the funny thing is that, that Belshazzar promotes him that, that day and that night he dies. And part of Daniel's uh, prophecies that the, 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 the kingdom behind him would be split between the Chaldeans and the Medes. And it says right after that, Darius is set over the kingdom, that Darius is king, uh, made king. Darius the Mede received the kingdom. And then Darius set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. 120, that name sounds familiar. 120 were in the upper room where God's governance was released. And he's setting up an artificial governance, but Daniel is put over all of the governors, and we already told the story. The disciples of Daniel, all the generations later, come bearing gifts because they were looking for the birth of the Messiah. Now, now Darius loves Daniel because Daniel brings prosperity to Darius. And because he has an excellent spirit. There's no leaky faucets. Daniel, out of a true heart to love and honor, brings prosperity and influence. He loves him. The other governors, of course, are jealous, so they want to, to trap Daniel. And so they come up with a scheme, and they come to Darius, and they say, listen, let's create a decree that no one can, can praise or worship any other god besides you for 30 days. And if they do, let them be thrown in the lion's den. And, and in chapter 6, verse 10, we're almost at the end. 
Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room with the windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as it was his custom since early days. Now listen, talk about an excellent spirit. It, the, the decree was only for 30 days. Do you realize that? Daniel, it says it was his custom that three times a day that he would go and he would pray. He opened the windows and he would pray and he would give thanks to God. Listen, I believe that Daniel wasn't, he wasn't an automaton. It wasn't just a religious response. He didn't do it just out of, out of a routine. I believe that he had an intimate worshiping relationship with the king, with the Lord, with God. And that he was wooed day by day to come on his knees and to pray and to worship and give thanks for God to God. And I believe that Daniel was so in love with God. Listen, they said, 30 days, don't do this. Daniel, who's got all this influence, Daniel, who's, who's lived through this, is now the third wicked king that he's serving. He is creating generational inheritance because he has overseer over all the magicians and soothsayers. Daniel's got great influence. He has a lot to lose. But he still has an excellent spirit. And he's so in love with God, that when they say, listen, 30 days, don't do this, or you'll be thrown in the lion's den. How many people in our natural weakness would go, you know what? I could go 30 days. It was, listen, it wasn't a forever decree, right? That would, be, that would maybe be different, right? Forever. But no, just 30 days. How many, how many if we're going to be honest, how many people would go, it's only 30 days? And then after 30 days, I can go back day in and day out. Listen. Daniel was so in love. He was so in love that he opened the windows and prayed anyway. And the result is they throw him in the lion's den. Can I get someone back up on the keys, please? They throw him in the lion's den, but the king doesn't want Daniel to die. In verse 16 of chapter 6, so the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Come on. That is influence in the heart of a king. And verse 18, now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. Do you hear that? The evil king. Fasting and no musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, as your God whom you serve continually, <clears throat> has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and set the lion's mouth so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. And it goes on in, the, in verse 23, it says that the king was exceedingly glad. Listen, this is a man 
speaking of Daniel, who won influence not just in not just in policy, not just in finance, not just in position, but he won influence in the heart of those he served. Come on. Do we believe that the kingdom is supposed to invade the medical realm in our city? Do we believe that the kingdom is meant to invade the education realm? Do we believe that the kingdom is meant to invade government and business? Daniel won influence, favor, governance, and in the heart, which is where the truest influence comes. And then in verse 25, then King Darius wrote to all peoples, listen, this is his, the king's decree to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must, must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his Dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Come on. I believe that Jesus, listen, we love signs and wonders. We're going to keep going after it. We love people getting free. We're going to keep going after it. We love worship. We're going to keep on worshiping. We love revival. We're going to keep on pressing in. But as we get free, there is an assignment. Come on, as we get equipped, there is a purpose. That God is, that God is setting people free and teaching them how to hear his voice. And he's imparting to them an excellent spirit. And he's giving them gifts and callings, gifts of interpretation and gifts of wisdom because we're supposed to have influence in the nations. We're supposed to have influence in all the realms of society. Can we pray for the anointing of Daniel to come on this generation and to be released? Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Father. There's many Daniels. There's many modern-day Daniels in this room right now. Just put your hands out in front of you. that God wants to do more than you could think, ask, or imagine. He's going to keep setting you free. He's going to keep filling you with his spirit. He's going to keep imparting gifts and anointings. But on that impartation and on that freedom, there is a purpose. <laughs> There is a call. And Father, I pray that you would come right now with dreams and visions, <laughs> impartations, God, 
over those who are learning to walk in freedom, who are learning to believe, who are learning to have faith. God, every time we, we see a miracle, every time someone's tumor dissolves, every time someone has metal disappear, God, what's supposed to explode in our heart is this revelation that God is real, that he can do anything, that he's available, and he's ready to transform the world around me. So, Father, I thank you for the anointing Daniel falling on us this morning, God. God, I pray that there would be more people in Google and Facebook, Father. I pray that there'd be more people taking your kingdom into prisons and businesses and the marketplace, more people taking your kingdom into the healthcare realm, Father, more people taking your kingdom into education, Father. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your fire falling afresh and anew, Father. We thank you for this transforming grace, and we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Everyone who agrees said amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise this morning. We can get our ministry team to come down here. If you got kids in kids' church, it's over time to go pick them up. So make sure you go get them. We can have our ministry team come down here. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.